Hello everybody, Eric here. A lot of people try to trick you on April Fool's Day, but we here at the KingCast celebrate this admirably goofy holiday a little bit differently. It's a time for treats, not tricks, I say. Last year we developed a whole alternate reality show that took a bow on April 1st. We weren't really able to devote the time to doing that again this year, but we didn't want April 1st to pass by without a little something something for you guys. So we're dropping a couple of our favorite episodes previously locked behind our Patreon paywall. Every week, we drop one main feed episode, free to everybody, and one Patreon-exclusive episode just for our patrons. These range from full-length commentaries, like today's brand new commentary that has KingCast favorite Brian Fuller sitting with Wampler and myself watching John Carpenter's Christine and spilling a little bit on his own adaptation in the process. We also have interviews, crazy niche King diversions, such as a comprehensive list of literal boners in Stephen King's work. We even did one recently about a bizarro conspiracy theory that claims that Stephen King was involved heavily in the assassination of John Lennon. We also do mailbags where we answer your questions. We do news roundups, all kinds of fun shit. Anyway, so what are you getting today? You're getting two episodes that Wampler and I have decided on uh, that are kind of our personal favorites that are that are residing over there at our Patreon. One is dedicated to King's weird-ass short story, The Moving Finger, where we brought in our very lively friend, Winter Mitchell, to discuss the short and the equally weird adaptation in the anthology horror show Monsters from the 90s, which starred the great Tom Noonan, by the way. Uh, The other one is an interview we did with the great fantasy artist Michael Whalen. Now, Dark Tower fans will know that name as he is the artist behind the iconic art in The Gunslinger and The Dark Tower. He's the one that kind of set the visual stage for me as a very young reader. Uh, so he is he is one of the fathers of, of uh, the Dark Tower and kind of responsible in large part to my obsession with King's magnum opus. So if you like what you hear, why not consider signing up for our Patreon? You'll get immediate access to almost two years worth of episodes, a discount code for KingCast merch, and you'll be directly supporting Wobbler and myself as we put this whole crazy thing together week to week. That sounds good to you. Head on over to patreon.com slash the KingCast and join today. Now let's dive into these bonus apps, shall we? Hi. My name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! Bad rum! Bad rum! You guys wanna go see a dead body? Well, sometimes. That is better. Is Scott here? I'm no, hold just... on, hold on. Let me let me uh, let me intro the show for cuts. Wait, no, 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 no. We should just get right into it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Kingcast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. We're joined today by one of our uh favorite previous guest miss winter mitchell who you'll recall uh coming on for a bonus episode several months back to discuss christine particularly in the wake of the announcement that brian fuller would be soon be mounting an adaptation of that property for sony well she's back today to talk about something else but i think she has an important message for everyone before we we get to that winter would you like to go ahead share with the class scott you stood me up (laughs) (laughs) you stood me up i was literally in the best mood on friday on a scale of like zero to ten i was a 10.1 and now today you're getting me like at a 6.4 
Well, if this episode sucks, let the record show that this is my <laughs> fault. Um, what what had happened was, uh, um, I was we were yes, due explain to explain yourself, please. We were due to record this episode. Actually, it wasn't last Friday. It was uh, my name say last Thursday. Um, so <laughs> let's not be casting aspersions. First of all, uh, but my I had for whatever reason I thought this was the following week. So when a friend of mine uh, asked if I'd like to go out for a lovely sushi dinner, I had no problem saying yes to her. And then next thing I know, I'm at dinner and I happen to glance at my phone and there were like multiple mistakes from Vespi, a DM or two on Twitter, an email. I was like, oh, boy, um, <laughs> I was supposed to be somewhere. Better finish eating this roll and we will answer that. And uh, yeah, it turns out that uh, I just had my dates wrong. So I do apologize to, no. to Winter for that. I have never just not shown up for an episode. So <laughs> I'm giving you shit. I was I'm so excited. I wanted this to be, I, I, I took copious no notes because, you know, I haven't, our, our, our subject, I haven't touched the subject in like, it's been decades. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I just wanted to be like primed and ready. I'm glad your sushi was good, which yes. I'm very <laughs> concerned about because it's Texas, but I'm going to let that ride. There's some great sushi in Austin, dude. I don't know about the rest of Texas, but Austin is a great food city. <clears throat> you don't got to worry about that now. Okay. No. Even Dallas and Houston have some have some good sushi places. I, I uh, won't touch Texas. I will go. If when you invite me down there, we'll come down there. We'll have a good time. But mm -hmm. I will. I, I am not actively pursuing a trip to Texas at this time. There was one silver lining and that's, uh, you know, Winter and I got to sit in here and have a nice little 25-ish minute, you know, one-on-one -on -one while we were going, huh, I wonder where Scott is. <laughs> I, would, I, listen, I hope he's okay. We if did something, bond. If, if, if uh, for some reason that ever happens again, if it's if it gets to the 10-minute mark, you know something has gone disastrously wrong. Because well, I, I won't ever worried. be later. I was actually worried. <laughs> I was worried. I was concerned. I was like, is he becoming a Stephen King story? Mm -hmm. Did the finger in the drain get him? Yes, yes. the finger in the drain get him. <laughs> it would just—it would be just my luck to get fingered to death, wouldn't it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, I that would is... enjoy it. <laughs> Sounds. Oh, great I'm sure to me. you would, Matt. <laughs> uh, but yes, that is the topic of our show today. Uh, we we reached out to Winner. We wanted her back, um, and we were looking for sort of an outside the box idea for. Uh, for for her to bring to the show with her. And um, I pitched you another title, and it was something along these lines. But you said, wait a minute, what about The Moving Finger? And I was like, well, I know the short story, but was there an adaptation? Turns out there was. Where did it come from, first of all, this? What's the television show? Monsters? Monsters. Monsters, yeah. Yes. Did you ever watch it? Did you ever watch this show? Well, it's I I didn't think I had. And then uh, I just watched it yesterday. And when I when I queued it up, um, the the intro with the the bizarre monster family mm -hmm. and the one eyed yes. mom yeah. and daughter, like I yes. had absolutely yeah. seen that before. And it right it like it caused like Jacob's ladder level flashbacks to me, like in a in my living room in my parents' house when I was like nine years old or something. And uh, 
Yeah, I, I guess I had seen it, but I'd completely forgotten about this series. It's like it's like the the little brother series of um, Tales, from, Tales the from the Dark Side. Tales from the Dark Side. Tales from the yeah. Tales from the Crypt is like is like the top of the mountain, and then you had Tales from the Dark Side, which has a, a, a fucking killer intro. Like all that that intro scared the shit out of me as a sure, kid. It still yeah. does to this day with it getting all like negative effecty and stuff, right, and polarizing right. and and all that, and then you get that dude going the dark side. I'm like oh, whatever that, that fucked me up, and uh, and then monsters was the one that was like a, just a little step down in quality from Tales from the Dark Side, <laughs> which is about three steps down in quality from Tales from the Crypt. Right. Uh, but as a monster kid, is any just absorbing any horror and sci-fi and fantasy thing I could in in uh, the late '80s, early '90s. You know, I watched this. I watched Eerie Indiana. You know, all the kid friendly stuff that I could find, and. Um, uh, so I watched a whole lot of this of monsters growing up, but I can't remember if I'd ever actually watched this before I watched this episode, the, the moving finger before, uh, uh-huh. uh, doing it for the show. You're right in terms of the quality disparity. Oh, God. Um, oh yeah. I guess w- watching this, I guess kept thinking, Oh, it's like, and, and I feel this way about tales. Let me come at it from this angle. Tales from the dark side and monsters both feel like, Canadian imports, right? And all that that imports. <laughs> right. yeah. right. No offense right. to our friends north of the border, but there's a distinct flavor to Canadian productions that you don't find on American stuff. It's just a little less sleek, you know, a little mm. a, a smidge more bland a, a lot of the time. <laughs> particularly during that era, I, I haven't honestly watched right. any recent Canadian programming, but um, and this show in particular really sort of like state they didn't have a lot of like movement in terms of locations it was all kind of like stage playy it's oh, like yeah. we're in this one room or we're in this two room setup but it wasn't mm-hmm. we're not going we're not delving much further beyond that space right very cheap very <laughs> cheap outside of like yeah three or four moments that you could easily like uh, sand the edges off of in this thing. It could be like an episode of like, are you afraid of the dark? 100%. You know, it's sort, of, oh, yeah. it's sort of like at that level, like maybe a, a mid YA horror kind of thing. But I, I don't recall any of the other episodes, so I have no idea how mm. it stacks up. I, I have one that I remember vividly and I'm, I can, I go back and forth whether it, it was monsters or tales from the crypt, but it was like the only one to really like get under my skin. And that was, it was a story about a boy and his relationship with his like loving grandmother who has this tradition around Halloween where you had to pl- place a, a circle of stones around a fire and it like go it's a, it's a protection ritual from something that comes out and will kill your family or something and so the the grandson isn't taking it seriously but each stone represents a member of the family and he knocks he knocks the the stones out of order and breaks the protection thing. And then this monster comes and kills the entire family because of it. And I remember that episode fucking me up as a kid. I'm sure if I watched it now, it would be the, the most like bland, you know, kind of boring, right. uh, you know, cheap looking thing. But uh, I don't know. That, that's the reason why I always get on my high horse when people are like, oh, you know, kids maybe shouldn't watch stuff that's that might, you know, give them nightmares or challenges. I'm like, no, that's the one time where any of that human being can watch this and be affected by it. You know, right. it's when you still believe. So well, totally. there is also there's also th- this one is the one that stuck out more than anything. And uh, this is the one of those where like you watch it at such a young age that you don't 
necessarily know if it was a movie or if it was mm. what it was. And it was one with Tempest Bledsoe, uh, who played Vanessa on, on The Cosby Show. And her boyfriend, it's like a purge, right? Like every once a year, the zombies come back to life and torture their town. And it's the night that it's played like a comedy horror where the parents are like suiting up and getting ready to leave. And they're like, take care of yourself. We'll be back. And the little brother gets to go because it's like, I've always wanted to do this. And he's like eight. And they head out and then she gets a knock on the door and it's her ex-boyfriend who's like a total Urkel who's like I just you know I just want to be with you and I missed you and she's like you're a zombie and then he makes her a zombie and then her parents come home and they're like well you're both zombies we're gonna have to kill you and then the mom's like you know what they're in love let them go on and be zombies together and I (laughs) (laughs) and I swear I thought this was like a TV movie or something like that it was monsters and that's like one of it's on you know monsters is available on prime video all this all the episodes and it was like one of the I first thing I watched and then we've kind of plowed through a bunch of them and it's just you know I'm glad it existed when it did but it is so trash it's just really <laughs> trash mm-hmm. yes indeed we'll dig into it in a moment but first um, because we've already done your Stephen King origin story, I would like yes. to spend a few minutes talking about the book that this came from, which is uh, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Yeah. I understand you have a particular affinity for this short story collection. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, Nightmares and Dreamscapes is, you know, it was published in 93, which is perfect timing. I was 13. And it was one of the opportunities you get, like with King, like you have to, for me, I can't sit down and read a Stephen King book in parts. I have to like really just go into like a three to four day hole and just start to finish, right? Like I don't want to like put it down too long or like look at it and come back to it. I like what, because he, again, purpose of this podcast, his stories are so amazing. You just want to keep going and you don't want to stop. And Nightmares and Dreamscapes was like a perfect opportunity to just take like bits by bits, right? And I developed like a passion for like my favorites. Like the Night Flyer is by far like of this collection, my favorite. The Night Flyer is just like so underrated to me. It's good shit. And it's just really incredible. Chattery Teeth is, I would say the second one. That one is crazy. Um, And then sneakers. And then, but the one that stood out always to me, the one that fucked me up, right? The one that was like, made me like when I walk into a bathroom and I got to put the stopper (laughs) all over. Like I literally could not go to the bathroom without doing a number of things because of movies growing up. And it was all bathroom related. So like I had to open the the, the bathroom. I'm so dead ass serious. I had to open the bathroom door with the light on before I walked in first. This is my ritual. We always talk about bathrooms when I'm on the show. I, was, okay. I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> and so then I would go and I would put the stopper in the sink. I would put the stopper in the bathtub. And then I would make sure like, you know, the shower curtains and everything was open and then I could relieve myself. And this was just (laughs) another, (laughs) and then and only then. And so then I would, you know, this, it was, it was all of these things. Oh, and then obviously like uh, an American werewolf in London, I could not pee with the medicine cabinet 
closed. I had to open it because I didn't want to get up and see Jack behind my... I'm so <laughs> serious. You guys think I'm doing this for effect. I'm serious. I'm a freak. So like this, <laughs> st- this story was just another thing about my it, weird you know, uh, uh, neuroses about using the bathroom alone. And it was the moving finger. This story is so gross. It's so gross because it's- Okay, it's, let me it's, ask you a question yes, real quick. Yes, though. yes, What happens? You go into a bathroom around that age, there's no stopper available in the sink. Now what? So now you're just timing, right? You're just like speed pee, you know, speed oh, okay. poo. Gotcha. It's like, spe- it's just like, it's a matter of minutes. Like how much can be, how much of you can be- destroyed. If you're sitting there now, if you're constipated, it's a different situation. Now that's a problem. Sure. Okay. (laughs) But you know, that's an issue. But if you're timing everything, you want to get in and out of there, like, you know, 60 to 90 seconds. So I, you know, but my was always, but, uh, but, but again, I'm eight years old. So how many bathrooms am I, am I in uh, without my mom and dad? I'm at my grandparents' house. Mm. I'm at my family member's house. I'm at school. I'm, I'm, you Mm. know, I'm at, I'm at home. Like, where am I? Like, I'm, I'm pretty safe. And if you're at grandma's house, she has all the shit. She has all the shit you need. And it's water pie, water pie, (laughs) cursory bathroom, water pie slices. Um, No, like you're, you're, you're set up, you're set up and you're situated. It's the other, it's, it's, it, it took me a long time to get out of this too. It took like at least until like my late teens, a grown ass woman. Like there's no stopper here. There's no stopper in here. It also raises the question, you know, at the end of this short story, it does come out of the toilet. Yeah, it comes out of the toilet. Yeah, that's true. So you would have been bound either way, frankly. I would have been bound either way. And it was just, it was one of those situations where this story was just, it was a nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's a complete nightmare from beginning to end. Is Nightmares and Dreamscapes your favorite of the short story collections? Yes, because it was one I could carry around. Mm-hmm. And it was the timing, again, the timing that it came out. Being 13, you know, you, this is back when you could like, back in my day, you could buy books like at the, you know, the the, the point of sale in the grocery store. So everybody was mm-hmm. reading it. It had a commercial. I don't know if you're, you guys are probably too young to remember. It had a commercial. It was no, like no, no. Stephen I, King. I oh, you remember that? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, I was going to reenact the entire commercial. Just kidding. Um, no, like it, it was, it was accessible and it was always available. And I think because, you know, not, a, not many, except for the night flyer. And at this point, moving finger had only been made into a, an episode of monsters. There wasn't a lot of, you know, this didn't like, there wasn't like standouts from here that ended mm. up becoming like, you know, big budget, uh, projects. So right. it kind of felt like you were in uh, you were in your own little club if you were a Nightmares and Dreamscapes fan because you kind of knew like the ones that didn't stand out. I also always wanted to be like cooler than everybody else, so it, it, it which was effortless. But it was like I you know you, could, you they're like have you read Christine? Have you read Carrie? Have you read it? Like yeah, we all like everybody's big thing was it because it and it was all because it is so long. Everybody that was like their mm. You know, status oh, I, yeah, status. Oh, yeah, I read it. I read it like over the summer. It was great. The infinite jest of the middle school playground. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it was that in Jurassic Park. So, like, you were really smart if you read both of those. But I just felt like, you know, this one is good because there's so many stories in it, too. There's like 24 stories. And I, they're all really good. Those are just, you know, the moving finger is like one of my favorites. Hmm. Yeah, I'm a big Nightmares and Dreamscapes fan. There's yeah. some of my favorite stuff is in there. 
Which ones are yours? I love Rainy Season, uh, which is just fucking King, like, firing on all cylinders in this ridiculous, you know, schlocky premise of killer frogs raining from the sky. And um, <laughs> it's 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 hard for me to separate the book from the version of it that I got, because that year for Christmas, my parents got me the complete set of audio audiobook tapes. Wow. Um, and which was like a big box that had, you know, God knows how many cassettes in it. And that year um, we traveled up to Toronto for Christmas. And so we had like a little Christmas at home and then we had a Christmas up there. And uh, I was listening to those tapes the entire time. And rainy season stuck out because Yeardley Smith reads that on the uh, audiobooks, And I was like a huge Simpsons fan at the time. So that was a big deal. And I was also way into Crouch End. And I still am because um, of Tim Curry's performance of it on that on that audio set. It is fucking masterful. And that story is just scary as shit. Besides, also a big fan of the mm-hmm. Night Flyer. And I'm also a fan of. I think it's. God damn it. I always get the name wrong because I confuse it with um, the Maple Street episode of the, the Twilight Zone. The house but it's, on Maple Street. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's And it's got that. It's the only illustration in the hardcover that's got uh, a page from Chris Van Allsburg, uh, uh or Chris Van Allsburg's, uh book, um, The Mysteries of Harris Burdick which I think is one of the all-time best children's books. It's just images like that. This is the same guy that did Polar Express. So the so the images in the book are, you know, fucking gorgeous. And each one, you, you know, you open the book and there's a picture. And then the opposite page says, like, one or two sentences tops. And they're out completely out of context. And the whole idea is for it to fire your imagination, right? Yeah. yeah. And... So Steve, what Stephen King was doing there, my understanding is that, you know, his kids had a copy of that book. They all got, you know, wound up about it. And he ended up writing a story based on that illustration from Allsberg's book and got permission to reproduce it in the hardcover for Nightmares and Dreamscapes. And I love that story, too. I, of course, I had Night Shift. One that has the house that, like, takes off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I had, you know, Skeleton Crew and Night Shift by that point. But in retrospect, I think Skeleton Crew is my favorite overall. But I grew up loving Nightmares and Dreamscapes more than any other, you know. Mm. And Night well, Shift has always been kind of third for me. Well, this is the this is what's how I know that I'm psychically linked to Stephen King. He doesn't know it yet. Mm-hmm. Is he <laughs> scared of bathrooms? <laughs> he must be because the house on maple street i'd written a story my mom still has it i wrote a story in school literally what prompted my teacher to call my mom and said we should get her tested um and it was about (laughs) it was about a for what (laughs) all the things whatever's available (laughs) um you know it turns out i was just gifted and talented ofs no it was um about a house that sort of manifests and 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 takes on a life of its own. So when I read The House on Maple Street, I was like, oh my God, it is written. I need to be like Stephen King. Now, mm-hmm. arguably, mm. I have not become Stephen King. <laughs> um, even close. Yeah. It's, it's, 
but it is like, you know, his mind just goes into places. And, and the thing is, I didn't learn until much later that he, he dealt with substance abuse. And a lot of his books were written under the influence, which for better or worse, we can debate whether it made them better or what. But I think that just sort of knowing that being surrounded by this brilliant mind, like a brilliant mind like Stephen King, influences people who want to write horror or who obsessed with horror, who are obsessed with horror to all start like moving in the same direction, right? And I mm-hmm. think something like a house taking on a life of its own and sort of doing weird shit is that's an easy one. I'm not saying that the story is simple. I'm saying like that's, you know, a kid imagining a house doing weird shit is, is, is a typical thought. But when he moves into these different areas of something so completely benign, like a finger coming out of a sink, right? this is like, to me, when his brilliance just really opens up. And I don't know if it's cocaine. I don't really care. There's no judgment here. I just know that it's, I would have never in a million years have thought of a concept like that. And it's something as simple as you're looking down a drain, this thing that you look at all the time. And that's what I love about him is it's simple Mm. stuff that you're always dealing with every day. You you know, in the mist, it's, Mm -hmm. there's a storm. We're going to get reparation. We're not getting reparations in the mist. (laughs) Um, That's absolutely not (laughs) happening. We're going to get sustenance and whatever we need at the store. And now we're trapped here. And Mm -hmm. it's all, you know, I'm having an affair and my, this dog has, rabies and I'm trapped in this car. Like it's always like a simple thing that becomes like this massive, massive scenario, but it's always born from like the most simple thing. And that's what I love Mm -hmm. about the moving finger. It's so gnarly, but it's like, of of course it's Stephen King universe. I think when he, you know, given his talent, I think that when he, when somebody like Stephen King sits down to write a short story like this, that's very simple probably based on an idea he had because he walked in a bathroom and saw the hole in the drain and thought, you know, was the worst thing that could come out of that right now? Probably a finger. Cause then you got to question where it <laughs> came from and how long it is and blah, blah, blah. A monster would be one thing, but a finger that raises all kinds of questions. You don't want to deal with mm-hmm. Right. Right. And he can just, because of the level of talent that he's working with, this feels like target practice to him. Just, yeah. <laughs> you know, fucking I could do this all day. Give me a simple, a, a simple B movie fucking uh, premise that wouldn't wouldn't have been not at home, like within one of the creep show movies. And right. I'll just knock that motherfucker right out of the park, dude. And yeah. sure enough, he does, you know, and it's it's, yeah. it's it, another thing that's interesting about that observation is that it occurred to me while. Watching this this episode of Monsters, that it looks very creep showish too. You know, it's got yes. those oh my god, bold yes. colors splashed all over the place, and the acting is very heightened and sort of cartoonish. And you know, um, anywho, no, that's, that's I, it's so funny because I watched Creep Show, which I've seen a million times, right after mm-hmm. just so I can when I missed it, and then also because I felt like. In watching Creepshow, if you, there are few films, and they try and they try and they try. I think Trick or Treat might be the closest to a mm-hmm. a, a, a good, you know, uh, anthology film that actually, from start to finish, with wraparound, is actually like scary and you know, kind of funny, mm-hmm. but all, ultimately super scary. And I'm watching it from start to finish. I love Father's Day. 
Jordy Barrel, but, and then I think about they're creeping up on you, but I'm always, when I was trying to figure out like what, why the moving finger is so good, why I love it so much, why it's, it, it, it's so compelling is because there's something about men and Stephen King stories. It's, it's steeped in watch how I manip this. Like this is, this is, <laughs> this is, you, you think you got me, but I have the testicular fortitude to beat all of this. Like when, and they're creeping up on you. I mean, right. E.G. Marshall is a dick mm-hmm. and he's literally making like, you know, uh, a, a sustenance out of Irwan, like his own sustenance. Like this man is an absolute piece of shit and he's taunting <laughs> widows and I, and all of a sudden, <laughs> literally taunting widows. And all of a sudden, he's like, I'm not, no one's going to bother me tonight. I'm good. All y'all are in trouble. And I'm going to see to it that you're in deep trouble. But I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And then it's just an explosion of chaos. And it's the same thing with Jordy Verrill, who's like, he's, he's, I love the scenes when he's trying to think of how much money he's going to get for finding this, this comet. And then, mm. you know, he thinks he's messed it up and he's like, well, it's fine. I'll be fine. Everything's fine. And next thing you know, he's literally a swamp thing. He literally has to shoot <laughs> himself. Yeah. You know, everything. I love the course, how it just sort of unfolds. It's like, I'll be fine. This, this is all of this is fine. And right. then, and then it just sort of like, and that's sort of how, what happens in the moving finger. He's very committed to like, I will destroy it and it'll go away. And it it's somehow it's in and, and the fact that it taunts him knowing when his wife was home made it even more, you know, he had to really like get rid of it because it was fucking with his jeopardy. It was fucking with his ice cream mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he had to show it who was boss. For anyone who hasn't read this short story or seen the episode of the show where we're talking about, can you give us a, a just a basic rundown real quick so we make sure everyone's on the same page? We have this guy named Howie. Howie's his name, right? He's left home to watch Jeopardy. He's a big trivia guy. His wife says, I'm going to go get some ice cream. He's just like, you're running the mill average dude. Then he starts hearing like scratching. He doesn't know where it's coming from. It's like irritating him. And he starts hearing scratching. He goes to investigate, gets into the bathroom and sees that a finger has somehow crawled out of the sink. One of the, and it wasn't the U-shaped sink, which you could probably make a case for. It is one mm-hmm. of those sinks that has that twisty pipe under it. And it's just a finger, a couple of knuckles. It's just disgusting. So he starts trying to get rid of it because it's taunting him. It knows when the wife comes home and she's like, I don't know what you're tripping off of, but she keeps kind of coming back and forth and the finger gets more aggressive and the finger at one point starts getting longer and it's got like knuckle after knuckle. It's disgusting. He pours acid on it. He tries to take a weed whacker to it. And this episode, the police gets grabbed at the end. Um, I literally type police, P O L E E S E. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then it's just, it comes out of the toilet and that's, and and he goes mad. Yep. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. That's it. You nailed it. I think we're done here. (laughs) It was a great episode, guys. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Uh, Eric, what's your history with this short story? And what did you? It's it's probably one of the most standout shorts from Nightmares and Dreamscapes. 
dreamscapes dreamscapes <laughs> for me i blame scott for not showing up on thursday <laughs> for that mess up. yeah no but I, I like you that this book came out at a perfect time for me it's when it was one of the first books that was out out that i bought like when i was in the king versus like checking something out of a library or catching up with something that i'd missed because i was like deep in my uh newborn Stephen King obsession at this point. So this came out in 93. I was 12 years old, um, the summer of Jurassic Park. And I remember uh, I moved from California to Texas that year. Uh, and I remember carrying this book with me on multiple plane trips. And if you know how big this, this fucking book is, you know, that was like my entire carry on was just this giant book and reading these short stories on planes. I remember reading each one of these stories i don't remember every story like super detailed but like there are moments from each of them that stick out to me and the one that uh the one that's like one of the most vivid is this story and that is like the description of when multiple knuckles appear so like the the finger pushes itself out of the the drain and past initially when you see it it's just like you see the amount of human knuckles on a human finger right and it's a human finger and then it pushes further and further out and it's just knuckle after knuckle after knuckle that he describes and for whatever reason that like really stuck in my brain as being extremely disturbing and uh -hmm. uh, yeah so i remember that moment more than just about anything that happened in the story until i revisited it for this uh this recording so that is my my background it's disgusting it's disgusting (laughs) yeah it okay so let's let us imagine that in in winter this may be difficult for you yeah Uh, it's disgusting you go into (laughs) your bathroom after we're done recording there's a finger poking out of the drain how are you immediately going to deal with this problem we're moving (laughs) Um, so we're going to leave. Um, there's absolutely no reason to try to fight with this thing. I already know I'm already primed and ready. We will, it will be arduous. It's really (laughs) not a great time to move right in the middle of the holiday season, but we'll make do. We'll make I do. like the idea of you having a go bag packed like the Nero and Heath. <laughs> 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 ever pops out of the drain. <laughs> I think Winter just stumbled across the uh, the still secretive plot of uh, Jordan Peele's Nope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what nobody knows is that Nope is only going to be four minutes long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. It's going to be with ninety minutes yeah. of credits. With ninety minutes yep. of credits. <laughs> nope. It's just going to be an anthology. It's just a, like a, a series of uh, of short stories that uh, the premise begins, and but it happens to a black family, and the black family just like nope, just doesn't deal with it, nope. and they you know they go they they Mm-mm. make the correct decision, don't try to pull a Tom Noonan and and fucking like melt it with acid or whatever the fuck. Who and, even you know? has acid in the house? This is what I never understood about monsters. They really made it like a scene, like people were just walking around with like every, like chainsaws and this, that, the other. I don't know. Yeah, why, why doesn't an apartment owner own like hedge clippers? <laughs> yeah. Is a good exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, there was, there was, there was, I, I don't think that, I think the the imagination that is that stems from reading a Stephen King book is there's always an element of what if, and it doesn't exist to me in any for any other author. And I'm not just sort of like 
you know, laying at the feet of Stephen King. I know there's other great, amazing horror authors out there Mm -hmm. and I champion them, but there's something about the way he, you know, I've said this before, the way he writes these people, they're so common, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. Howie, of course, like it's in the time that it happens. And I think taking advantage of the fact that like appointment viewing, right. Back then it was like, if you missed a question on Jeopardy because you have to pee or whatever. Like you're, you, my score is all messed up. I don't know if I beat that <laughs> douchebag or not. And it's and right. so the the fact that he's being irritated during his favorite thing, the only time it appears where he can have like a, you know, a, a, a moment to himself. Howie time. Howie time. <laughs> <laughs> I need some Howie time is this finger, which is giving him the finger. It's, it's a metaphor Ovs. Hmm. Yeah, well, you struck on something really interesting here because Howie is a character that I think every one of us knows somebody like Howie, somebody who collects useless knowledge just so they could be like, you know, a great at pub trivia or, you know, or great at if Jeopardy's on and he can show off in front of or or she can show off in front of their their friends. And that's like their thing. Like, and I know a couple of people like this and I really never put that together until you like mentioned how, uh, you know, how King pulls this this character out that we recognize. I'm like, holy shit, there's Howie's in my life. I know some Howie's. We know some Howie's. If they missed, they, they won't speak to you again if you beat them. In trivia. I mean, like, you <laughs> have right. to negotiate the relationship back because, or they're just like so completely baffled that they didn't know something and want to reason their way into how they didn't know that and that they should have obviously known that. Yes, we know, uh-huh. we all know a Howie, a Howie on every street. Well, Eric, Eric, how would you deal with this problem, do you think? You know, what's interesting about this is this isn't. It's disgusting and horrific, but the finger's not threatening at all at the beginning, right? Sure. It's just there kind of poking around, you know, the edge of the, the drain, right? It's it's like living its life. You know? I would argue that it's, it's very its existence is threatening, but but I understand what you're saying. I Well, yes, it's not, not posing seeing an immediate what it's attached to, threat. right? Yeah. But it, and it, it's it's never aggressive. It's I'm the kind of person that if there's a spider in my house, I'll like catch it and put it outside i won't like kill it oh so okay but so go ahead so my (laughs) but like it's the thing if but but that said if it's like a scorpion or something and it's aggressive or you know then then i'll kill it right if if there's an aggression towards me you know then then i i go past my my kumbaya you know let everything live thing it's just like oh well now you're in my house kind of thing so with the finger not being aggressive obviously the very first thought is like what the fuck and if it's moving and alive and i like do the same thing where it's like there's no possible way this could be attached to somehow a a human is stuck in my my wall (laughs) right uh then well then i'm probably whipping out the phone and making a tiktok and and becoming uh (laughs) super rich off of it um but uh but like just in if i was in a stephen king story like this which would be which would be a, a more of an exaggerated, you know, reaction to it. I'm honestly, I, I'm not a as much of a shy peer as you know, or whatever. I'd probably just live with it. I wouldn't want to touch it. But if it, because uh, it seems like all the problems happen, and maybe it's the lessons I learned from reading the story is all the problems happen whenever Howie gets aggressive with this thing, right? That's when he burns it with the, uh, 
you know, with the chemicals and then it's like, Oh, you done fucked up now. And then that's when it like knuckle after knuckle comes out and, and whatnot. And then he takes the weed whacker to it and, uh, and then realizes that there's like, Oh yeah, this is just a digit of something. And that something is still there. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, I just want to clarify here for a second. Yeah. You're saying (laughs) that if you walked in your bathroom and you saw a full index finger, nothing Mm. else, and it wasn't posing an immediate threat and it was just, Kind of, you know, tapping away at the sink. You just <laughs> uh-huh. let it be. No, I, I, I do some like some like research oh, kind of oh stuff. My God. You know, I would I, I, not like not like I'm not not, not like I'm pulling oh up Wikipedia. God. I'm talking about like investigative stuff. Like I would I would be like, would okay, I someone? have to solve this mystery. Oh fuck! Are you kidding? I'm. There's no way I'm alone in my house when this is happening. At no, no, one no, point, no, I, the I finger people. does a pull-up. I mean, <laughs> it does a pull-up. Like, like are you're, it's a sentient thing. Like, it knows that it needs right. to flex and mm-hmm. stretch. Like, is it, is it, is it uh, like, responding to, to like, vo- voice stuff? If I go, like, oh, my God, who's there? What is that? Yeah, that yeah, kind of thing will, would respond to me? It responds, like, in the fucking show. Like, if, the, right. if it's poking out of the drain and its little, little head is poking up, and you go what the fuck it's gonna turn and look at you it's a little fingertip is gonna turn it doesn't have eyeballs or a face but it would right. it would i think it senses sound it would address me yeah hmm. it would acknowledge well, your now, presence also if two only by movement there's also two different questions here is it like a real life human finger or is it like that fucking god-awful monstrosity that they built for the show that because that you need to burn Honestly, uh, burn it instantly. I think a real, like a normal, clean human finger would be way more distressing than like oh, a thing that, than a thing that looks like somewhat monstrous. Yeah, yeah, that would be mm. way more distressing if it looked like. I don't yeah. know. I, I'm I'm just telling my initial instinct isn't uh, I'm going to murder this thing that's that's in the. Th- I, I I would more quickly pull a winter and just like leave the house until a bunch of firemen or something can, can come in and address the issue. Go leaving mm. the house and saying to someone, why? Well, what happened? Why did you cause there, There's a finger in my sink. There's a finger in my, is it in the sink? <laughs> like, no, it's, you throw it away. no <laughs> you don't understand. It's in the sinkhole. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, well that, and that's the thing is, is uh, because that initial in real life, if you walked into your bathroom right now and saw a human finger in the drain, you would think somebody's, severed finger got in your sink right so there's two levels to this right there's that m- initial m- reaction then reacting that it's connected to something and and alive then then that becomes two different things i mean each one kind of like sends you closer to the brink of insanity mm-hmm. but uh mm-hmm. you know i don't know if that thing showed aggression and like had m- and the multiple knuckles revealed themselves then then uh all bets are off that's the uh you're in my house and you're showing aggression towards me then i'll i'll uh i'll stomp on the scorpion kind of thing but uh i don't know my honest reaction is is not to be violent towards anything that's not violent towards me you are ridiculous (laughs) i know i'm I'm the first one i'm the first one to die in a horror movie you absolutely uh, are there's i literally wrote in my notes i go this finger itself is meh and then I said, this finger is an asshole. <laughs> this finger is an asshole. <laughs> I, I'm, I, in my mind as a kid, because obviously my imagination dies as I get older because life itself is scary enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I always felt like it was like a ball of fingers. 
And this, one, <laughs> uh, it was like a, 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 a thing. Like a tape measure? Like, no, like a, like a thing that just had fingers, like, like an, a sea mm. anemone. Like it, but it was a sea anemone of like human fingers. So one just kind of like got a katamari curious. thing where it's yeah. just like a rolled up ball of. Yeah. And then it. It got curious. I don't know if you guys have, uh, have played. Oh, what's the name of the game that just came out that I got that makes my thumbs hurt. Left for left for dead. Back for blood. Uh, back, back for, for blood. blood. Okay. Yeah. Back for blood. That, it, it feels like something. That. It's so annoying. It's the most one of the most annoying games I've ever played. Um, it's too fucking hard. <laughs> it's too hard. Yeah. It's too yeah. hard. It's way too hard. I, 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 it's just a lot of st- strategic thinking, but it's not to me as user friendly. And then there's like, there's like, there's like kind of hard mode, and then chaos mode. So there's no in between. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But I, it, it looks like a monster that would be in that game. It's like it. It's mm. it's just it's a in my mind as a kid it was like a ball of fingers and one of the fingers got curious. <laughs> it was See, like I'm a, I'm picturing it like I, I'm picturing something somewhere below the residence. Yeah, that has its yeah. hands stuck up to a hole in a wall. Yeah, and and its fingers are just insanely long, or maybe it can generate knuckles at will. Or Which something like that. Also disgusting. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It, it like it. It just raises a million questions. Yeah, you know, it, none yeah. of the answers are going to pe- be good. Frankly, it is very Pennywise ish, though. I mean, it's uh, it is. It's like a step a step related to the whole Bev uh, bloody sink thing. Um. So yeah, it's connected to a sewer pipe somewhere. So you know that fingers Pennywise. We figured it out. Mm. Well. I think the one thing I love about this character in particular, the character of Howie, is it is like I said earlier, I love all Stephen King characters that are left to their own devices. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people hate the navel gazing narratives where people are just like it's just like one person and they're contending with an entity. But when they have to deal with the consequences of their belligerence and indignation, that's when I get so excited. <laughs> because it's just the yeah. panicky, you know, 1408 has it, Nightflyer has it, Pit Cemetery has it, Christine, The Shining. I think the men mm-hmm. in Carrie have it. I think mm-hmm. they all have a great idea that ends up screwing them over big time um, because they're adjacent to the, the female problem, right? So I just I feel like for them, it's like not overcoming this shit is for punk bitches. We're going to do it. Fuck it. We're going live. We're going to do it live. You know, and that's what I love about these stories in particular. I'm trying to decide how hmm. I would deal with it. And I have some concerns about that. Go. I want to hear this. We both want to hear this. I'm sure. Well, there there are a number of things that are, are not working properly in my house right now. <laughs> and my solution to these problems has been to not do anything. And ah. like, like for instance, I'll give you a good, for instance, the, uh, the housing element on the, uh, piece of machinery that makes the garage door go up and down for whatever mm. reason, like, uh, last summer, it just stopped working one day. Surely this is a matter of calling someone out to, you know, stick a wrench and a screwdriver in it and charge me $300. But, uh, mm-hmm. But I don't want to do that. So instead, what I've been doing is just raising and lowering the garage door uh, on an as-needed basis, like manually. It's not hard. It's not heavy. You know, up, down, easy. Meanwhile, uh, our microwave went out 
And that was a whole fucking saga. Eventually, I was I I had no choice and had to just buy a new microwave. But for a minute there, it was kind of like, well, maybe we can just live without a microwave for a minute. You know, um, rather than inviting any more problems into my life, what I'm telling you is that too often I'm I'm just content to just be like, "Eh, we'll do we'll deal with that later. You know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So on the one hand, I'm concerned that I might actually fall somewhere closer to Eric's side of it where I'm like, like I could imagine if if this hit me on the wrong day, like opening the door to the bathroom and seeing it and being like, mm, nope, and just shutting the door and forgetting about it. We don't use that bathroom. Yeah, and possibly being like, well, you know, and then it's a week and you're like, I wonder if that thing's still in there. And you poke your head in. There's a little finger. Nope, not yet. And then just leaving again. Um, on the other hand, uh, I do not do well when confronted with surprise things that I feel like I could destroy instantly if I had to, you know what I'm saying? Like a Mm -hmm. spider, for instance, I see a spider in this house. That spider is getting stomped on. Sorry, spiders, but I do not like, as you know, as this, as our listeners know, I do not love spiders. So, and I, I could imagine a scenario where I do have a little chainsaw on hand that some fucking studio <laughs> sent me as like a, a promotional item at one point for like a Jesse Eisenberg movie that I don't even remember. Um, Wait, was I, it the one where they're all they're in the vivarium? No, it was, um, it was further back than that. It was like something he was in with Alexander Sarsgaard. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Keep yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really, and I don't know what a chainsaw has to do with any of it. Nothing. Know? But I could imagine, like, if I went in there and, like, poked at it, I think I would be initially curious enough to sort of test the boundaries of it. And also no, kind of like Eric. it's Uncanny Valley. It's too Uncanny Valley, and you know it. You know that. I would, I would go into the room with it, absolutely. Okay. okay. I would go in the room with it, and I would, like, I probably wouldn't touch it with my hand. No. But I hmm. would get, like, um... I don't know, maybe a spatula, yeah, or some tongs tongs from the kitchen, and like sort of, (laughs) sort of poke it, poke it in the head, and just see what it does. And if it like kind of like you know shook, like don't do that, then I'd be like, oh shit, you know, this thing has a mind of its own. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to up the game. And if at that point, like from that moment on, also kind of like you, Eric, if it did anything aggressive, then I would immediately kill it. Or attempt to kill mm-hmm. it in the the most destructive way I could figure out how to do in the shortest amount of time, which in all likelihood would involve going to the garage and and getting that little electric chainsaw and going into the bathroom <laughs> with it. Um, the Jesse Eisen saw. Yeah. yeah, I would probably have <laughs> called someone in the meantime, but also like I would I would. I don't know, it's it's sort of along the lines of the conversation we've had about the little little green army men, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where. Mm-hmm. I would just stomp first and ask questions later. I can I can see that sort of a reaction. Okay. I don't so I don't honestly know, but I think I would it would be one extreme or the other. Okay. You just reminded you both reminded me something. I don't I can't believe I forgot this. So when I first moved when I first moved to LA, you know, Los Angeles for our listeners is a veritable smorgasbord of living situations. You can live <laughs> in one of the best places in, in the entire county, or you can live in a shithole. I mm-hmm. was, you know, a poor entertainment worker for the longest time until until I suddenly became concerned about my how many taxes I have to pay, um, and got me like a 
an accountant who does like Trump things. But listen, he, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to get into that. I do want to say that when I was right before I moved, you know, I, I got engaged, got married to my husband. We moved in, in God house. I lived in this for 10 years, lived in this apartment in Hollywood, which I like, it was a piece of shit. But when mm-hmm. I moved in, it was, I could have moved out at any point after like maybe three or four years, started making like better money and I could have moved, but it was the, it was the fact that it cost nothing to live there. And when I first moved mm, in, right. in 2008, it was like $800 for a one bedroom. And if anybody's ever had a roommate, you know, you will pay anything to get the fuck away from those people. (laughs) And the house was in the East Hollywood, not the greatest area. Um, And I grew up, you know, in San Francisco and in a very clean house. So I didn't really understand what pests, what, what pest up having a pest problem meant. Right. Mm -hmm. So I move into this house apartment and I remember going to, I was getting ready to go out and I opened the medicine cabinet by now I'd stopped having medicine cabinet issues and I open it and there's a gig- I'm talking about the biggest fucking cockroach I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Just like, Hey, what's up? And I start like crying because I just, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I was crying. And I called my landlord screaming saying, I, there's a cockroach the size of the palm of my hand. And he's like, we'll send somebody out. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do between now and then. And I immediately shut the, the, the thing. And the door, and I tape around the seal. It I seal this, <laughs> and I don't open it uh-huh. until the guy comes and sprays the entire place. And then I like still don't open it because I don't want to deal with whatever the fuck that thing is. So like I would say like two months pass, and I'm like, well, it's it's. <laughs> I I made sure like nothing was in there that I didn't need. So I was right. like, oh, wait, well, what room was it? The bat the bathroom. But in one bedroom for two months, where were you? Where were you taking a leak? I had two bathrooms, oh, so okay. and that was another reason why I was like in a one bedroom. Yeah, dude, it was illegal. It was an illegal unit, so it was like I, I don't know. I had a bathroom near my in my bedroom, and then I had like the front bathroom. So like people would come, and plus it was just like whatever. Like the only person who was coming in was somebody I was hooking up with. So it was like use that bathroom. You don't need to use the front bathroom. So <laughs> I. Eventually, I'm like, oh, well, I need something out of there. And so I'm like, I open the thing. I I pull the tape off. Nothing jumps out. I'm like, cool. And then I open the thing and I need, there's a specific type of hair product that I needed that was in there. So I was like, okay, I'm going to use that. You guys. I go and I'm like, getting ready. All done. I always do like my makeup first. And then I do my hair. My hair is all ready to go. I'm putting my gloss on it. I go. I'm like looking in the mirror, looking at my cute face. I pour the gloss. That fucker was in it. It sacrificed itself in my gloss. It crawled <laughs> into the gloss and it's been there for two months now. So it's just a fucking sludge in hair gloss. I can tell you how hard I cried. I can't tell you how hard I fucking cried at this <laughs> I cried for two reasons. One, I'm my palm now has sludgy hair gloss in it because of a cockroach. Also because that's $40 a bottle. <laughs> and now I got to go figure out I don't can't gloss my hair tonight and I have to pay 40 dollars for this. This is this is the I'm telling you right now, those were the lengths I went just for a cockroach. I taped the door mm. and nobody could go in there for two two months. Mm-hmm. Are you better at adept, or are you more adept 
in dealing with cockroaches now, do you feel? No. So we don't have them. <laughs> no. No, I do not like them. To me, they are like the the, the pinnacle of just disgust. They're disgusting. Mm. And that's why I love uh, they're creeping up on you because I, mm-hmm. I agree. I don't taunt wid- widows, but I agree with E.G. Marshall's character. I am mm. like, they're disgusting. I will spray anything, pay anything, do anything to make sure it doesn't happen in my house. It is absolutely, I also noticed that when we got like into, we have a nicer, a much nicer, newer house, right? So like, we don't have, like everything's sealed. Things don't really come out and, 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 and we don't keep food out and stuff like that. But it was just the notion that I could, me, someone who's very hell bent on being clean would have a cockroach in the house. It just felt like a complete invasion. It was one cockroach. Mm. It was one mm. fucking cockroach. Cockroaches don't really skeeve me out nah. that badly. I'm not a fan of them, but they're not like I, I don't like get hysterical if, if one's around. But I do understand that they have a, a similar thing with uh, uh, June bugs here in Texas, where they're not harmful in terms of like you're not going to get bit or stung or whatnot. But there is something really weird to me about any creature that has those sticky barbed legs that if they touch you, they can just like clamp down on you. Yes. You know, where the the sensation of it, because it, it's not pain, it's not hurt enough to hurt or whatever. But like if it gets on your clothes and you like try to pick it up off where it just clings on and and you kind of have to rip it off of you there. I don't know. There's a tactile thing about about them that unnerves me more than just them existing or the, how they look or them being around me. You know, I don't give so I don't I, give I, a I fuck if it can't bite me. You know, that's that's another thing I'm factoring into how I would deal with the finger. The finger right. can't bite. At worst, right. the finger can extend itself about, oh boy, it's got to come out like maybe five feet out of the fucking sink mm-hmm. in order to like maybe lasso it around itself around my neck or something to choke me. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what the fuck's it going to do? Can poke your eye out, kid. You can poke well, your eye out. Well, again, once it starts behaving aggressively, that's when we're going to have a talk with the chainsaw. But until then, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. I just... uh I feel like I Tom I Noonan dealt with it. Oh, let, yeah. Let's speaking of Tom Noonan, let's talk about Tom Noonan in this. Yeah, he is he is an incredible screen presence. Whenever he turns up, no one looks, acts, or sounds or moves quite like Tom Noonan. I I, I think uh, really great actor. He seems he seems a little bit on autopilot in this thing. Yes, and, he does. Oh yeah, yes, he does. Um, he- but I looked it up and apparently he directed a couple of episodes of Monsters. Really? So maybe this was he didn't do this one, thank God. But um, <laughs> the guy who directed this one was like a, an effects guy, makeup effects guy that uh, directed like I think this and maybe one other episode of Monsters and is now just back to doing effects. Um, but uh, I wonder if Tom Noonan, like getting a chance to direct you know and a couple episodes of tv you know that this was the like hey we'll call him and and bring him in you know and do this and he's like well you guys gave me a shot to actually direct you know so i'll I'll, you know i'll show up i don't know yeah it's definitely not his uh his best he's still a really fascinating guy to watch so Mm -hmm. even him kind of checked out is still more interesting than most actors in a weird way but uh uh, but yeah this isn't peak tom noonan do you know who vincent schiavelli is yeah. yeah, of course. From Ghost. get off my train from Ghost. Yeah, he yeah. um, it, Noonan always struck me as sort of like a more sedate and normal looking Vincent Chiavelli. Yes. 
Yes. You know, but they've got that same sort of, I don't want to sit next to this guy on a subway kind of, kind of, kind of feel to it. Like them. he's writing like in the margins of eight by 11 college ruled paper, like a manifesto <laughs> at the library, like that kind of guy. That's what he, that's the energy I'm getting from Tom Noonan yeah, on, on, on a regular basis. Perhaps. You know, the. This reminds me, the feeling of this um, reminds me a whole lot of when we talked about the Twilight Zone episode of Grandma, mm-hmm. where it's it's just such a that one had like some really like powerhouse talent behind it with Harlan Ellison writing the adaptation and whatnot. But it shares a lot of the same problems that the Grandma one does, where it's. This isn't an adaptation. They just essentially trimmed down the short story and printed that out and and let it like run. Like it is so almost just beat for beat, moment for moment, character for character, you know, the short story, which should be a good thing, but it just kind of feels flat. It feels like a a playhouse, you know, a group or something just kind of getting together mm-hmm. and challenging each other like to all right now here's the short story let's read it and act it out as it's happening you know yeah there there isn't there isn't any sort of like structural change for a visual medium or anything it's just the short story yeah and they you know as an adaptation it's it's pretty tight i don't remember there being a scene in the short story which i didn't uh which i didn't actually reread before we did this so maybe i'm wrong but uh is there a scene where howie takes a leak in a sink oh yeah Wait, oh, is, is there? it in the sink? Is it in the sink? I think it's 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 inferred that it's the toilet because he looks over at the sink. Mm. So he's peeing. Oh, he, you're, you, he's talking about when you just can't. Yeah, I'm talking about when he, he goes in the he, kitchen yeah. and pisses in and the his, sink. And his wife catches him. Yeah, I, I think that was invented for the for the TV yeah, series. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. a weird thing to shoehorn in there. There was a. I guess you have to you have to ask that question though. If this if he is so miserable and he can't relieve himself in his own because I think in the short story, doesn't he just go to the bathroom, like down the stairs, there's like a convenience store or something. And he goes to the convenience store bathroom. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it was a, it was a budget thing. Like I wanted to give them a benefit of the doubt of going, Oh, they're just trying to fill in a plot hole of like, you know, of course, you know, piss in the sink. If, if I, you know, if there was like a poisonous snake in my bathroom and I really needed to take a piss, then I pee in the sink. I, I don't have any qualms about doing that. You know? I'll piss in the sink so, for a lot lesser reasons than that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've done it, son. No, he's I, literally peeing so much in this in this episode. <laughs> for a, a 20, let's say with commercials, a 24-minute episode, there's so much piss. Mm-hmm. There's just so much. <laughs> I guess like why other, what other reason would he go to the bathroom? Fair, but also there's a <laughs> finger in the bathroom, so we need to continue investigating till we get to a solution. I, I would have at least gone for the shower first, right? Mm. Exactly. You know, and exactly. It, on the other hand, it is an admittedly great visual gag to see all 13 feet of Tom Noonan getting up on the, <laughs> a little a little thing, like a little step ladder to take a leak in a sink. And it's also uh, speaking of visual gags, the fact that his wife is like two foot tall. In this right. was also <laughs> pretty goddamn right. funny. Right. It's it's the the thing that stuck out to me, like, and we kind of touched on it earlier, is the color of mm-hmm. the, it's it's it looks like it wants to be creep show so bad. And I don't remember who all is involved with monsters. I know it's Richard Rubenstein is one of them, but there's like so many elements that try to recapture that like creep show that the the comic 
the comic book manga, like, you know, effects with mm-hmm. the poor lighting that it just looks like it, it ends up in sometimes looking like a universal haunted, you know, horror nights, mm-hmm. Halloween horror nights, mm. you know, scene. The, the hyper purple, the hyper green, the, right. you know, the, the, the sort of the, the shadow, the, the glowing windows. It's still like they're very limited in what they could sort of articulate. They spend all the money on the finger, which ain't saying much. Again, (laughs) finger is mad. But I do, I do think it's like you know. To your point, I think that um, they they did try to apply an aesthetic to it. You know, there there Mm -hmm. are creative decisions being made in terms of how it looks. There's a there's there could very easily be another version of this where it's just where all that color is drained out of it, and it's not. It, it just, it's just shot straight up, and that would be the most boring shit in the world. You right, know? right, mm. right, and it wouldn't last twenty four minutes. I mean, and also, <laughs> you know, the thing about monsters, they always had like it had to have a little bit of humor because monsters came yeah. on at what, like at some point. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it came on at night. Sometimes it came on in the daytime. It did, it kind of like had a moving time slot. Sometimes it was like two monsters, and then like two tales from the crypt episode or tales from the dark side episodes sometimes they mm-hmm. would you know swap on and off and that's the other thing it's like you watch all these shows and they take so much inspiration from all different types of stories you know inclusive of king that you don't even remember what it was like if you threw a, 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 all of the episode titles onto the floor inclusive of tales from the crypt i would have to try really hard to figure out which one was which franchise mm-hmm. well rubenstein right. worked on Tales from the Dark Side. Right. You know, he was he, also a, a producer on that. And so I kind of wonder what the distinction was in his mind. Yeah. Like, mm. Was Tales from the Dark Side supposed to be the, I don't know. Like, I would have to go back and rewatch some Monsters episodes. It sounds like you may have uh, Winter. Uh, but just based on the comparison between this episode and my memories of Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Dark Side was much scarier and... um felt like it skewed a little bit more adult. And on top of that opening goofy ass opening sequence with the monster family, I mm-hmm. I'm my suspicion is that this was intended to be something for slightly younger audiences. So I'm looking it up and it looks like tales was on for like a good solid four years mm-hmm. and monsters three seasons, three 88 seasons. to 91. Yeah, so Tails was first. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it obviously it was probably like he got a deal, and it, I I don't know Richard Rubenstein. You should come on the show and tell everyone. Uh, I I don't know what the, the distinction was for them, but he did like with Tails also borrow heavily from King for multiple episodes. There's a sorry right number episode in mm. Tales from the Dark Side. But I, I, it has, it has to have been like a budgetary issue, and it's always interesting, like. Everybody was trying to capitalize at this point because horror was so massive in the 80s. And it's like Freddy's Nightmares. If you look at Freddy's Nightmares or Mm -hmm. Friday the 13th, again, we're talking about the same type of stuff. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's the same, like, it's it's not a ton of budget. Still trying to, like, you know, carry on this iconic, you know, figure, this iconic villain and try to make that last beyond. I don't know how you could sort of, you know, the one Freddy's Nightmare episode that i'll never forget was the tattoo remember that one the tattoo i never i don't think i've ever seen an episode Mm. of that there's one where the tattoo comes to life and again now that i'm even saying it out loud 
I don't even know if that was Freddy's Nightmares. That might have been Monsters. That <laughs> might have been Tales from the Dark Side. But the the right. tattoo comes alive and you know comes off the body. Uh, you know, it, wait, it, what it, is it a tattoo of? It's a t- it's a it's a rock star. A finger. A finger. <laughs> A, a rock star is like gets an, an amazing tattoo that is supposed to make him like an even bigger rock star, and then it it fuels like his 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 work. He becomes like the be- biggest rock star, and then once he's gotten reached the peak, it comes to life and it pulls off his body, and and it's just disgusting. But it's also like, mm-hmm. how much can the average person? At that time, when you had you're you're stuck with the television, everybody has to share the TV. How much could the average family sit around and stomach that seven o'clock on a fucking Thursday night? You yeah, but what, what did the tattoo? I vaguely look remember like? that. That what did the tattoo? <laughs> We're back on the tattoo. That's the what. Tattoo, I, yeah, that's what I want to know. Was it like a monster or was it? No, it was like I'm trying to Google it because I forgot what the tattoo comes to life show. Um, tattoo comes to life show. Um, I don't, and now I have to deal with LA LA Inc. ads now and being. Well, well while you me. look at it, I, uh, let me regale the audience with some of the other guest stars from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monsters. Uh, let's see, Ann Mira, Jerry Stiller, Linda Blair, Deborah Harry, Imogene Coca, Pam Greer, Will Wheaton, Meatloaf, Lily Taylor, David Spade, <laughs> Tony Shaloub. Monk himself, uh-huh. Steve Buscemi, Gina Gershon, Hubba Hubba, Matt LeBlanc, Tori Spelling. Uh, it's a Tales from the Crypt episode. Uh, okay. I, I just found it on a dead man's chest. Yes. Is what it, the episode is yes. called. Yes. See what I'm saying? Hmm. See what I'm saying? I don't remember that one. And I've seen all the crypts. That's interesting. Yeah. Who plays the rock star? star. Looks like it, uh, Yule, Yule Vasquez. Vasquez is the rock star. That's Heavy right. D is the mysterious artist, That's and Tia Carrera right. is Tia Carrera as well. It's oh, a no. snake. The guitarist wife. It's a snake. Oh, it comes to life. It's a snake. That's right. That's see what I'm saying. See what I'm saying. Mm. I was. I had you down the Freddy Nightmare Tunnel. The only episode of Freddy's Nightmares that I remember is the only one that was actually a Freddy Krueger story, and that's uh, we got to see the the trial. Of uh, of Freddy Krueger, <laughs> where he gets off. Really? Yes. Yeah. Is it just Robert England yeah. yeah, so, sitting there? A- yeah, it's just Robert England sitting there, and it's like it's Freddy's trial, and like and him getting off on the technicality or whatnot. So, so it was like the origin story of of uh, of Freddy, and I remember watching that, going, "Okay, great. Now then, we're actually going to see Freddy, and Freddy will be a part of this." And then it's just like, nope. And I remember <laughs> getting order. getting getting Freddy hit, victims unit. getting hit with that. Yeah, I got hit with that, and then I got hit with fucking the Friday the 13th series, which has fuck all to do with uh, Jason Voorhees. Like, his mask is in a fucking cabinet or some shit, but that's it. Yeah, I think I I have seen a couple episodes of that, and I remember it being garbage. Although I'm surprised, I'm shocked that they haven't taken the uh, Friday the 13th, the series, approach to the Conjuring universe, because that's essentially what it is, right? Because it was, each each one was an episode of, like, this crazy curio shop that each item had a a horror story background to and it was each episode was a new item and that's that's the fucking uh uh patrick wilson and vera farmiga's like secret doll room secret doll room and it's and (laughs) and the thing about friday the 13th that was even they really sold it at the time like like friday the 13th like they would position friday the 13th films around it 
you know yeah and i remember like the typeface the logo was the, the same 100%. type and all that yeah and then i we i would be remiss if i didn't bring up the fact that brad pitt has a freddy's nightmares episode oh no shit so you got to check that one no shit oh man yeah Dude, it's so funny to me and, and now that you bring that. it up i know this is this is a, a tangent but one of the my favorite like weird random behind the scenes things I've ever seen was um, I'm a huge uh, fan of, of uh, the phantasm movies and I'm a huge fan of Don Coscarelli. Mm -hmm. Like I love that dude. He's, he's a friend of mine and he, he came to Austin at one point, I think it was to show all the phantasms in a row and he brought with him, uh, some audition tapes of some of the people that didn't get cast in, <laughs> in phantasm two yeah. and Brad Pitt was no one of them. Shit. And, and he gives, I'm not kidding you, probably the worst fucking audition reading I've ever heard any actor <laughs> give. Uh, because they, it, it, it all was part of Phantasm 2. I don't know if you, any, if you're not familiar, in Phantasm 1, it's about this kid versus the, the tall man. In Phantasm 2, the kid's a teenager. Uh, but the, the Phantasm 2, uh, the first movie was such a huge indie hit that the studio bought it and Universal bought it and, and said, hey, now we're going to make a, a studio movie, you know, sequel. But they didn't want the like non non uh, famous actor, you know, who was the kid who was the right age to play the the main character. So they they James Legro ended up uh, playing him in, in the sequel. Uh, but <laughs> but Brad Pitt, they held auditions for this this role and Brad Pitt read for him. And he like he screened that for an audience, essentially saying, I can't put this out because, you know, this guy is now one of the most <laughs> powerful people in Hollywood. And and as no one else should see it, it is so fucking embarrassing. I think about it every time I'm blown away by a Brad Pitt performance, which is, you know, 98 percent of the time I see Brad Pitt in a movie and I'm going this guy who's delivering this incredible subtle performance gave like the most terrible fucking reading that I've ever heard any actor. Now ever I want to see it. Come on, Reggie, get in the car. <laughs> you know, it's like that, that kind of stuff. And uh, I just saw it. So, I saw it so vividly just when you said it, just like that. Yeah. Yeah, almost almost what's in the box. Come on, Reggie. What's, what's Reggie. In get in the car. Reggie. Get in the car. The, t the tall man is coming for the cemetery. <laughs> Reggie. <laughs> it's, it's like that kind of, kind of thing. You know, she's alive out there, man. You know, it's like that, that kind of shit. It is, it is so embarrassing. But, uh, you know, the man's Brad Pitt, so he can't be embarrassed by much in his life. So he everybody gets some. I'm sure he would be delighted to see that. These oh, days. absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure would. Let's get him on the show yes. and I'll get Don to send Make us the audio happen. clip. Right. Well, I think we've about worn the moving finger out. Um, <laughs> but I did re I did remember the other title I pitched to you, um, Winter, was Chattery's Heath, which is one half of Quicksilver mm. Highway That's that right. Nick Garris right. directed. So how about you come back at some point? We'll do Chattery's Teeth. I love to come back. <laughs> Excellent. I love you guys. This we is love so you fun. too. Yes, of course. Always a blast to, to talk to our friend Winter. We'll hit you up about that in a few months so we that give some sounds... pe other people turns. But um, but yeah, I do want to see. I, I really want to see that. I've never seen Quicksilver Highway, and I'm really curious to see what uh, what good old Mick did with uh, with Chattery Teeth. So <laughs> we'll knock I'll that out. I'll watch it. I'll watch it, and we'll knock that out. Right on. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, absolutely. I very much enjoyed this. Thoroughly enjoyed this. I I really also enjoy learning you both are just going to turn a blind eye to a finger in the sink. <laughs> in the sink, yeah. Depends on the day. The, po the potential is there, is all we're saying. <laughs> <laughs>